Hey everyone, this is Brett. And this is Nick. So Nick, I'm going to say that thing that we say a lot of times with where the, an episode, we'll say, hey, this show's a little different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this time, like, it's a lot different. Well, it's still a podcast. It's still it's a podcast. Like a, That's true. It's not like a Velociraptor. True, true <laughs> enough. But but look, here's the deal, guys. We, Nick and I always talk about how we want Where There's Smoke to be sort of anything it, it wants to be. We want it to be experimental. We want to try different things, including having guest hosts or guest writers. And, you know, we've had some listeners involved in episodes in the past telling stories about music. Uh, we actually, at one point, we're talking to someone about actually guest writing for a show, but it's never actually come together until right now. And we actually have two guest hosts and guest writers who put the show together, Teresa Ward and Kristen McMullen, who are part of our team. And Nick, you actually sort of really brought this all together. Well, I, I don't want... I'm not looking for credit for anything. <laughs> what, what happened was we were having a team call. You weren't there. And we were talking about the world and whatever. And I said, have you guys, would you guys want to make a show? And they said, yes. And then it just like it was happening. Like it, <laughs> their enthusiasm and energy was so quick. And so just a, matter, just a matter of scheduling it and making it happen. And here we are. And I'm very excited that everyone gets to hear it. Me as well. So with that, um, Nick and I are out and enjoy the show. Thanks. I was not well-liked in grade school, definitely the target of some serious bullying. Like, shove me up against the lockers, throw gum in my hair, and push me down at recess kind of bullying. I did have a few friends. They were bullied too, but that's besides the point. They were still my friends. Okay, so when you have friends, chances are you know some things about them that they don't want other people to know. I mean, it's grade school, so these aren't state secrets or anything, but they're still secrets. And in the right situation, a secret can be a powerful thing. And there was this one day, and I knew a secret. So it's lunch break, and I overhear the popular kids making fun of my friend. I mean, she was basically the only friend I had at the time. (laughs) Let's call her Becky. So they're making fun of Becky. They look over and they see me standing there and they try to rope me in to get me to make fun of my friend with them. So now I'm suddenly faced with this dilemma. Do I throw my friend under the bus to potentially be accepted by a social group higher on the ladder than me? Or do I keep my allegiance to my one and only friend? Ugh, I joined in. Oh, yeah, um, actually, have you guys heard? Turns out she... I mean, seriously, I'm the worst. I still feel sick to my stomach when I think back to it. The next day at recess, Becky walks right up to me with sheer determination written across her face. I smile, hey, but inside I'm feeling a little nervous, not knowing if she knew what I had done. Without pause and in one artful motion, she swung her arm up and punched me square in the face. No hesitation. (laughs) What a woman. (laughs) Needless to say, she knew what I had done. For this reason and many others, I adore Becky. The fact is, she trusted me with information. A secret. And I shared it with somebody else, even though it obviously wasn't mine to share. 
and deservedly, my choice came back to haunt me and give me a bloody nose. True story. I would probably be much better off if I had just learned that lesson when it was literally hitting me in the face. Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, pop culture, and experience. Hey, come here. Come a little closer. Shh. This week, we're talking about secrets. The temptation, the trust factor, and there's going to be some juicy insider tips from Brene Brown. My name is Kristen McMullen. And my name is Teresa Ward. We're your guest hosts this week. All right, girl, let's do this. We've all had a time, or two or three, where it hits us square in the face. Metaphorically, in my case, but literally in Kristen's, the very real power that secrets have to impact our relationships. It's like, sometimes before you even think about it or plan on it, you've let something slip out of your mouth and you immediately cringe, wishing you could jump in a four-second time machine and pull those words back into your mouth where they belong. And we've all been on the other side of it too, where our trust in someone else has been eroded because of their inability to keep our secrets. Eventually, after enough betrayals, it feels like you never want to trust anyone again. You'd think we would learn this lesson early on, and that we would just keep our mouths shut. I know, right? Why is it so easy and so tempting to share secrets anyway? Hey, little girl. Did you want to know a secret? Because I know one, and it is so good to hear it. Well, did you know that to some degree... We're biologically wired to gossip? A BBC article titled What Gave Rise to Gossip tells us that to successfully hunt and forage, early humans needed to cooperate. And the most effective way to do that was to share information about each other and each other's roles. Who is good at chasing the prey? Who might be best at spotting edible plants? And then, as societal advancements empowered us to travel, break off from our tribes, and meet, well, strangers, we had to gossip about those strangers amongst ourselves so we could try and determine their values, their motivations, and if we could trust them. This sharing of others' behaviors, stories, and secrets is a technique we still use today to feel a sense of belonging and connection. It's kind of a way to reinforce hey, you and I are still on the same side, right? We're not into what that guy's into, right? We're the good guys or good girls, and he's the bad guy or bad girl, right? That reinforcement of belonging feels good. It feels powerful. In fact, it feels so good that we tend to stop caring about the accuracy or reliability of the information. And in the process, we forget to care about the person who owns that information, that story. We begin to treat holding secrets like holding currency. The more secrets you know, the more currency you have. 
I mean, how many spy movies are based on this premise? It's a secret. If I told you, I'd have to kill you. But we're not professional spies. I'd say that the majority of us are tempted to just go and spend that currency, spill the beans, just to project a false sense of value, not only to others, but to ourselves. Sharing secrets can be addicting, and tabloids, pop culture, even freaking primetime TV are not helping things. Oh my gosh, don't even get me started on celebrity gossip. It really frustrates and saddens me. How we accept, promote, even glorify this. It's not that I feel like I need to protect Justin Bieber's dating details or something. It's just the message it sends at a broader level. Secrets are powerful and should be respected, but the gossip industry cheapens those secrets. It commoditizes the discussion of others' personal details. So there's a website out that says that Rihanna's pregnant and they have receipts. <laughs> they wrote it so aggressively. That they ended the post by saying, anybody think anybody want to challenge us? We'll bet you $10,000 right now. What kind of receipts prove you're pregnant? Sperm bank receipts, like deposit receipts? And it escalates from discussion to criticism to straight up hatred in some cases. As a popular Medium article by T.K. Coleman said recently, criticism, gossip, and hatred are not diseases we need to be cured from. They're simply symptoms of our failure to be sufficiently fascinated with our own lives. Ooh, I like that. Right? Thinking about that idea took me down this road. Sometimes to look inward, I need to start with looking outward. Sometimes. Okay, oftentimes. Inward can feel scary. There's too many unresolved issues or feelings or regrets, so why not avoid all of that and just look outward? That is much easier. Sometimes I don't want to admit what is happening to me, so I'd rather just talk about what I see happening to someone else. Sometimes I feel like I have nothing valuable to share. So I'll just try to help someone else try to understand their own stuff. But truthfully, I'm just trying to help them because, well, because I'm not ready to shine the light on myself. It's hard to dive in and really explore our deepest insecurities, the ones that scare us the most. That's a super vulnerable activity. So we talk about other stories and experiences instead. Sharing other people's business is the easy way out. As the saying goes, great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, and small minds discuss people. So I think we need to work on this, and we could totally do it together. Let's stop avoiding and start encountering. And let's stop using other people to avoid doing the work that we need to do on ourselves. Look inward, not outward. It's going to take some practice and it might be really hard, but I'm certain that you're going to love who you find in there. But I mean, I can't promise that you won't get punched in the nose.
So Kristen, I have an idea. Where do we turn when we come to a vulnerable, scary self-development situation that requires courage and deeper examination? Well, I mean, an episode of Where There's Smoke. (laughs) Yes, other than WTS. In the interest of transparency, no persons were paid or solicited for this endorsement of Where There's Smoke. I think in this case, we need to consult the world's premier guru of vulnerability. You know who it is. Oh, I wish we could play all 20 minutes of this appearance on Super Soul Sunday. I mean, it is so rich and full of great concepts to unpack and just... Okay, Teresa, let's just stay focused here. Ladies and gentlemen, Renee Brown. The Vault. What I share with you, you will hold in confidence. What you share with me, I will hold in confidence. But you know what we don't understand? And this came up over and over again in the research. We don't understand the other side of the vault. That's only one door on the vault. Here's where we lose trust with people. If a good friend comes up to me and says, oh my God, did you hear about Caroline? They're getting a divorce and it is ugly. I'm pretty sure her partner's cheating. You have just shared something with me that was not yours to share. And now my trust for you, even though you're, 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 you're gossiping and giving me the juice, now my trust for you is completely diminished. Does that make sense? So the vault is not just about... Hmm, the other side of the vault. I hadn't really thought about that angle before. When someone comes up to us with juicy gossip and we listen to it, or even when we click on that Us Weekly article or watch that TMZ clip, and we consume that information, do we even realize that listening and consuming someone else's secrets could be just as damaging to us as sharing someone's secret? What we listen to says a lot about our values. When we lean in with interest to that person who says, Oh, you'll never guess what so-and-so told me. We're indicating that we value secondhand secrets, gossip and rumors, more than a first-hand conversation or experience. We're indicating that we care more about someone who's not in the room than the person who's standing right in front of us. What if we politely turned down this information? What if we said, no thanks, not interested in what you heard might be happening with that person's love life or promotion at work or the way they acted at the bar last night. Now this would be really hard, right? Because we're used to not only having access to all of the information, but we've been sort of conditioned by society that we are entitled to it. We deserve to know every dirty detail. We demand to see the pictures in high resolution. We think that just because we can Google anything, that we need to know everything. We have become a culture completely intolerant of the unknown. And I think, at least in part, that intolerance stems from that false sense of security that information gives us. And I'm not just talking about this at a macro, societal, big picture level. This has always been really hard for me on a personal level. 
because by nature, I'm a very curious person, but I can often take it to the extreme. I was that kid asking, why, why, why? Why, why, why? All the time. By the age of four, I drove my mom crazy with asking so many details about the logistics of Santa Claus that, well, I ruined Christmas magic for myself pretty early on. And as I got older, this curiosity, this drive to understand how and why things happen, while it made me a diligent student and a bubbly conversationalist, it certainly didn't bring me a lot of peace. I would get so frustrated when I couldn't get to the bottom of a concept or a behavior. God forbid a guy I was dating wanted to break up with me. Why, why, why? Anyway, in my late 20s, I started to explore my spirituality in attempts to gain a wiser perspective on the world and my place in it. And as I reconnected with God and learned about his character, I began to believe some foundational concepts that have brought peace into my life. I've come to believe that if God knows everything, that means my role as a human, aka not God, is to not know everything. I've come to believe through experience that we can really put ourselves through hell trying to play God and trying to know everything before it's meant to be revealed to us. There's a line in my favorite musical, Les Miserables, that gets me every time. You will learn. Truth is given by God to us all in our time, in our turn. I've really tried to lean into this concept, to take a deep breath and remind myself that it's okay not to know everything right now. It doesn't mean I'm any less curious, but I am more patient. The world always has been and always will be full of secrets, things I just cannot know. But that doesn't frustrate me as much now, since I've surrendered the need for those details. It seems a bit counterintuitive, and on some days, I do a better job of it than others. But not only has it brought me peace, I think it helps me be a better human on this planet. While we've established that it's unhealthy to share and demand stories, secrets, and experiences that are not yours to share, it's equally as unhealthy to keep your own secrets locked inside you. Secrets held in for too long can rumble around in the corners of our psyche and transform into monsters. They get big and dark and can lead to shame. So we do want to encourage you to follow Oprah's advice on the Golden Globes recently and speak your truth. What I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. And I'm especially proud and inspired. No matter what that truth is, I know it can be really intimidating to even think about sharing it out loud. I mean, I've been there. I've had things that it took years to get off my chest because I felt so ashamed of them. Not just moments, but entire chapters of my life, honestly. 
A couple years ago, I started listening to story podcasts like Risk and The Moth and attending live storytelling events in Atlanta, Georgia. I was so inspired by the bravery and openness of the people I saw up on stage. I once heard the quote, if you don't tell your story, someone else will tell their version and you may not like it. So I figured, what the hell? And I signed up to tell a story on stage one night, a true story. And I've been doing it regularly for the past year. I've been really lucky to have my friends and family there in the audience supporting me at these shows. And I don't think I could get up there without knowing that no matter what I say on stage, I have people in my life who won't write me off as the monster or the loser I feel like sometimes. And I promise that you have people in your life who will be there for you too. When I was 17, my older brother died rather suddenly. And the rest of that year, well, it was complicated. He had this incredible group of friends, and these sweet humans scooped me up and brought me into their fold for a time. And listen, for a 17-year-old who felt like she was relatively worthless, this was confusing. I was still reeling from all of this painful bullying, but simultaneously hanging out with these super awesome older kids. I adored them for wanting me around, but I had literally no idea why they would. I chalked it up to just being his little sister and them wanting to keep some piece of their lost friend close for a time. I eventually lost track of how many nights I spent playing pool, eating pizza, and sitting around campfires with these terrific people. That summer, a few of them took me camping over a long weekend, and one of them was big into rock climbing. He talked about it a lot, and I mean, I thought I needed to be someone who did the same things he did in order for him to keep wanting me around. And I definitely did not climb rocks. Wait, is that how you say it? Anyway, I lied. I said I was a climber too, and I told stories about being a climber. Listen, I told, I told stories about being a climber more than a couple times. So then he asks me what the hardest climb I'd done was rated. And I had absolutely no idea what he was talking about. Turns out my answer should have been somewhere between a 1 and a 5. I said 37. <laughs> oh my word. I thought that was it. He laughed. Oh, he laughed and laughed. And I, I mean, I just knew it was done. He'd uncovered my secret. He'd obviously been thinking I was just a stupid little sister. And now I had proven it. That's all I would ever be. After he was done, his significant amount of laughing, he just said that I was an idiot for making it up. And that was it. Like, that was it. It. And we went back to whatever else we were talking about. I was completely dumbfounded. So after having survived that experience, I tried something. I started telling the truth. Just with him, though, because he'd caught me and he'd stayed. If I didn't know something, I didn't pretend to know. I didn't share things that weren't my own. 
something really amazing happened. Something amazing to a 17-year-old who thought she was pretty worthless. We laughed. And we always had things to talk about. And he kept inviting me out with this group of people that were hilarious and interesting and fun. And I started to understand that I didn't need to share things that weren't mine. And I didn't need to embellish the stories that were mine. I, I could just be. I could be tired and silly, curious and dorky, awkward, quiet, all of it. And they stayed and asked and shared and loved. Turns out I had value all along. No more secrets. No more secret me. That's the valuable currency that we hold. Not others' information or secrets, but the power to tell our own stories bravely and truthfully. One of my favorite writers, Anne Lamott, said, you own everything that happened to you. Nothing feels better than authentically sharing your story in your own voice, not trying to wrap someone else's experience in your voice or your experience in someone else's voice. To be honest, I learned a little more about that lesson while writing this episode. We've got a lot of stories, a lot of layers of secrets inside us. In some stories, we're the victim, in some stories, we're the villain, and in some, we're both. So let's not forget to be gentle with each other as we navigate this fragile territory. There's a beautiful little book called Buddhist Boot Camp by Timber Hawkeye. In it lies a simply worded principle that now guides most of my choices. The opposite of what I know is also true. For me, this principle allows me the ability to take a step back and just be curious about the people and circumstances that I encounter without judgments or assumptions. I used to travel a lot in my 20s, and I learned very quickly that people's definitions of things like clean and nearby were very different. Okay, let me give you an example. Just the other day, I was out for coffee with a friend who suggested we walk to a coffee shop. What? She says, it's close. Guys, it was like a 30-minute walk in the freezing cold. No, just no, that is not nearby. I thought nearby was something very, very different than my friend. And I mean, if little things like that could be defined so differently, what about big ideas like love and value and truth? We all come from such different places, even if we grew up right next door to each other. Our families, our humor, our food, I mean, all of it shapes our experiences. If we try to approach each other with rigid perspectives and expectations, we're going to end up very, very lonely. So let's try to stay flexible and open and open-minded in order to stay connected. At the end of the day, you 
are a secret. You have lived a truly unique life and there's no other person on this entire planet who has your story. You're a remarkable person just the way you are. You've seen and done truly amazing things and you've probably messed up a whole lot too. But we promise you are not alone. If you gather up the courage to share your stories, your truths and secrets, all of it, then not only will you start to free yourself of those negative feelings that might be holding you back from being the person you want to be, but you're also teaching others how to do the very same thing. I like to think that Becky, the girl who punched me in the face, was trying to teach me that, and I just didn't listen. Don't be like me. Don't wait to learn all of this. Do something today. Do something right now that will help you share yourself with everybody around you. I know it probably sounds scary, but we promise you, it's worth it. Welcome to Where There's Smoke Digs. This is the part of the show where we share what we are loving, what we are listening to, what we're reading, what we're eating, and uh, just overall what we're enjoying in the world right now. So, Kristen, what are you digging this week? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I was racking my brain and then um, something happened over the weekend that was delicious. So my dig revolves around food. I just got back from a holiday in Mexico, spectacular, and when I got back, I wanted to cook a wonderful dinner for a friend of mine. Um, Dad introduced me to chilequiles while I was down there, and I was trying to figure out how I was going to do it. So I'm Googling all the recipes, and I've got to find tomatillos, which are the little green uh, green tomatoes, and (laughs) I was was out with another friend, and she says, you're just going to Google that. And I'm like, wait, what? You want me to Google where can I buy tomatillos in Calgary? She's like, yes, that's exactly what you're going to do. Okay, so I literally write that into Google. Where can I buy tomatillos in Calgary? And this list of like little local specialty uh, like grocery stores pops up and there's like a Latin American one and there's a Cuban one. There's an African one. So my dig this week is those little markets like if you want to make something super cool and authentic and different and challenge yourself don't just go to like okay i'm gonna say canadian grocery stores but i don't know what the american equivalents are (laughs) like safeway superstore what 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 are the american equivalents 
uh, Kroger, Publix, those are the ones down <laughs> yeah. near me in Atlanta. May, like maybe just don't go to those. Maybe Google these like specialty ones. It was this adorable little Latin, um, like Latin American market. It was right by my work, which is really cool. And it, awesome. I literally felt like I stepped back into Mexico when I walked in there. This big family <laughs> came in, they were all speaking Spanish. Everyone was, hola, esta bien. And like, I found every single little thing that was all written in Spanish on the labels. Like it was just like being down at the market in Mexico. And I have to tell you, I didn't make the salsa verde from scratch with the tomatillos. I just bought it and it yeah. was, oh my God. Like it <laughs> turned out, yeah, yeah. It turned out so freaking delicious. So I don't know, maybe it's about curiosity and exploring your own little city, but like yeah. go find a little specialty market and make something totally different and expand yourself a little. That's my dig. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So I live in a little neighborhood just outside of Atlanta, Georgia called Clarkston. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this statistic is still 100% accurate but at one point Clarkston was the like most diverse square mile of refugees international refugees in the United States and so we are chock full of those kinds of little markets cool um there's like, you know, a Nepalese one and there's all different kinds of like Thai and Vietnamese and Indian and I'm really craving Asian food. Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Um, yeah. And there's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of diversity and those little neighborhood markets where, you know, it's very like family and very community based. Those yeah. are um, much more refreshing than like your standard big box grocery stores. So, yeah, that's definitely. Awesome. What, what is, so uh, what are you digging, miss? So I just got done reading a book by Anne Lamott. Um, it was the first book that I had read by her. I was familiar with her as a writer, and I've been following her on social media for a while, but I hadn't read any of her books personally. I've actually bought them as gifts for other people. This was the first one that I had read by her. It's called Bird by Bird. And then the sub title of it is Instructions on Writing and Life. And I I heard about this book and I was like, this has got to be perfect for me because little known fact about Teresa, I'm actually like a birder. Really? <laughs> I go bird watching on weekends. Yes. So I'm a nerd that way. Um, but birds make me happy. So nice. I was like, this is about writing and life and birds. I'm sure I'm going to love it. And it did not disappoint. Her writing is very funny and warm and inspirational and it was one of those books that like each paragraph is so full of like juicy I don't know I don't even know how to describe it like I just (laughs) wanted to reread every paragraph over and over again it's a pretty short book and I'm like I didn't want it to end like as soon as I got done with it I'm like I think I'll just start over and reread this all over again oh I love books like that Mm-hmm. I haven't read a book like that in a long time. So Anne Lamott, Bird by Bird. That's my dig for this week. Awesome. Okay, you guys know how this works. We told you what we like, so now we want to know what you like. Or what you had for lunch yesterday. Or what you're up to tonight. I mean, it really doesn't matter. We just love hearing from you. So you can email us. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Pretty much all the socials were Explore WTS. Can't wait to hear about you from you. Thanks, guys.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Hello. Yo. <laughs> hey, Nick. What's up? Uh, where are you right now? What? Um, I'm in my, I'm in my, my office. I mean, God, just because I didn't host a show this week, man, I'm busy. You know, I got lots to do. I'm working away over here. Oh, hello, Mr. Guido. Welcome back to the Metaphor Beach Club. May I get you a drink? Wait, but what was what was that? Are you are you at the beach? What? No, no. D didn't that woman just say Metaphor Beach Club? Metaphor Beach Club? No, no, no. Something like Manafort beats something. I I got the news playing in the background. You've you've like sort of rubbed off on me. They're talking about the Russia stuff and the best way to for Manafort to beat all the charges or something like that. I don't know. I can't hear it. I'm, mm. I'm I've got this new AG really cool ocean soundtrack playing on my laptop. So anyway, what's up? Well, I just need the credits for the show. So I have to oh, those yet. frick. Oh, man, I totally forgot. Um, God, that's why everybody's still here. That makes sense. Um, what, what, wait, what? N n nothing. Sorry, sorry, I forgot. Um, but I'll do them right now. I mean, I I'm, I'm in my office, so uh, no problem. I'll, uh, I'll send them over to you in 15 minutes. All right, great. Oh, hey, for the script, can you just let me know which musical artists were featured in this week's show? Um, well, I mean, usually I just say that. I know, but thing, just, just but I, mean, I want to put it in the script. Uh, okay, well, we got, let's see, we got Chris Zabriski, Paddington Bear, Blue Dot Sessions, um, Ketza, Lee Rose Bear, Mad, Scott Gradden, and, of course, Brett. Kevin McLeod? Yeah, Kevin McLeod's in there. Oh, Kevin McLeod. Actually, you know what, that's a lot of names. Could you just type it into the script? Um... Sure. Yeah, awesome. And then right. and then I'll make sure I mention Des wrote the theme. The he, you remixed it. Uh, I'll give Sam and Ricky credit for our podcast cover. Uh, prior to that, I guess I'm gonna have to definitely do some shout outs. I've got some notes here somewhere with some shout outs. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, oh, so Elliot Rashid, our newest Facebook fan. Uh, I'll mention Amanda Lear uh, for following us on Twitter and Insta Mishi and and Deeb eighty two for following us on Instagram. And I'll let the listeners know that we are Explore WTS on all three platforms and they should definitely come hang out with us in the socials definitely going to do that also remember to let marvin messenzihi know that we are definitely digging his vibe too okay, okay tell jenna leblanc that we are glad that she is all caught up thank dan whalen for the bumps across platforms Victor Kuna for always being so kind to us and you should make sure to thank our guests from last week lisa jacob for sharing the episode with her followers okay definitely um sir drink oh uh, nick, nick hold on a second Yes, uh, a pina colada, please, and bring in one of those coconut shells, okay? I love what? That. Right. Um. Uh, so yeah. So then I'll do that thing where um I uh, list a bunch of adjectives connected to the show, like something like uh this week where there's smoke was research questions slipped out, held back, discussed, access denied, spoken, shared, metaphorically punched in the face, and written by Kristen McMullen and Teresa Ward, and produced by Nick Jaworski and myself. And I think that'll be about it, right? Okay, but also remind listeners, like something like, um, if they want to support the show, they need to share it. So if they have friends who have secrets, that maybe they shouldn't make this show a secret, like that mm. kind of thing. You know how we do that? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Got it. Okay, look, no problem, man. You will have them in 15 minutes. Hey, man, uh, you know, you keep warm up there in Toronto and make sure that you're definitely not a beach, and I will talk to you next week. Okay, uh, yeah, no, not the beach. Cold, snowy here. I will uh, I'll do my, be my best to uh, keep warm. Thanks, Nick. Hey, listeners. <laughs> Sorry about that. You're pina colada, sir. Oh, so good. Anyway, look, I hope we can keep this whole beach thing as our little secret. No, no, me, no, no, me. That's nuts. That's nuts.
Know what I mean? Say no more. Know what I mean? I just, I just needed a break, you know? I mean, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Anyway, as always, we encourage you to find something in this show that you can put into action. And whenever possible, go straight to the source for information, because otherwise, it's likely you'll end up with a lot of inaccurate hearsay. Bueller? Um, he's sick. My best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows this kid is going with the girl who saw Ferris pass out at 31 Flavors last night. I guess it's pretty serious. Thank you, Simone. No problem whatsoever. Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll see you next time.